Thank you, Lord. Lord, I give you the praise right now. Listen, if you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Amen? If you're in prison in your life right now, he's a prison shaker. He can do whatever needs to be done in your life. Give him praise right now. Thank you, praise team. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You may be seated if you can. Last week, we started a brand new series entitled YOLO. That means you only live once. Last week, I challenged you with a message entitled getting out of your comfort zone. And that we needed to be challenged to get out of our comfort zone, to move beyond what is the norm and what is comfortable. And so today I want to follow that message up with not only getting out of our comfort zone, which we need to do, I need to do, you need to do, every one of us need to get out of our comfort zone. And as we do that, um, we're going to find out that the Lord is pleased when we try to get out of our comfort zone because getting out of our comfort zone requires something. Number one, it requires faith. It requires more than the norm and more than what we would normally do. Faith is that, that, we, that substance that we hold on to of the evidence that's not yet seen. And so today I want to follow that message up, getting out of your comfort zone with another message entitled, The Life I Wanted. How many of you, when you were in high school, you, you dreamed of a life and you thought, well, I'm going to be a pilot or I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a lawyer, a veterinarian, uh, an astronaut, a fireman? Whatever. I remember thinking all those things, but you had dreams. Let me see your hand. You had these thoughts about what you were going to be. And um, I just want you to know that life out there is not always what it seems. It's not always what it seems. I mean, you, you look around and you say, man, this is what I'm going to do. And then you realize as you get older and wiser and more educated that sometimes it's not quite as glamorous as you thought it was. And so sometimes the life that I wanted, I realized later in life that I really, I'm, I'm glad God didn't give me what I wanted. Have you ever been there? I have. But nonetheless, I can remember me, uh, myself, as a young guy saying, I can't wait till I get old enough to get a job so I can make my own money because my allowance wasn't enough. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But I can't wait till I can make my own money, although Daddy was doing the best he could. But I can't wait till I can make my own money. And I didn't realize how hard making your own money was. And then after I made my own money, I didn't realize how little distance that little bit of money would take me. Amen? I didn't realize things like, man, it's going to cost a lot to eat. It's going to cost a lot to drive a car. It's more than just gas, but it's oil every now and then, and it's shocks every now and then, and it's tires, and it's brakes. And, but you know, this life I had, this dream I had as, as a kid, if I could just make a little money, I could make it all happen. Y'all been there? Well, I have. And um, I can't wait to live on my own. I remember saying things like, I can't wait to be my own boss. Hello? Uh, have you ever said anything like that? I can't wait to be my own boss. You know, I can't wait to, to get out of daddy's house. And I was raised in a great home. Don't get me wrong. It's very strict. But, and so I was ready to get out of that, you know. So if I wanted to have a drink, I could have a drink. Because you couldn't have nothing but a drink of water or sweet tea or whatever at daddy's house. That's how it was. 
And, and if I wanted to smoke, I could smoke. And if I wanted to bring somebody over, I could bring them over. Y'all probably never said none of that, but, but I did. And I have to admit that my idea of being out on my own was not quite as glamorous as I thought it was going to be. I realized that there's a lot of responsibilities that come with that freedom and that it was not quite the dream that I had dreamed. The life that I had wanted. I, a matter of fact, how many of you ever thought that the grass was perhaps greener on the other side? You ever seen that? You know, you worked in a shop and you looked over at somebody else and they got a promotion and you said, man, the grass sure is green over there. And you looked and you longed and you wanted to be over in their pasture. Y'all know what makes grass grow? Manure. And many of you want greener grass, but you don't want to walk through no mess. Hello? If we could let somebody else walk through the mess and the manure and let their, their feet get dirty and us just sort of coast in on a surfboard, then we'd be happy to live in a, a pasture that had real, real green grass. But I want you to know that when I was in the Air Force, we was really up on, on how things looked. And I'll never forget, we was having... Uh, the first tactical fighter wing, the inspectors, was coming down from Langley, Virginia. I was stationed at Moody and Valdosta. And I remember this scorching heat in the south and some of the sod around the air maintenance unit buildings, uh, some of the sod had died. It had just turned brown and it, it was ugly. And, you know, they took us out there as a bunch of airmen, gave us a bunch of spray paint, the color of grass, and all morning we spray painted brown grass green. So that from a distance, and when the inspectors landed on our runways, they look out there, look at that beautiful grass. They had no idea it was painted. It wasn't really growing. I mean, it was all dead. So the life that we sometimes aspire for, the, the thing that we sometimes want, we're looking at everybody else, and it seems so glamorous, but it's really not what it's cracked up to be. Now, let me, let me go on. Um, it's important that you, know, that you understand that, and the reason is this. Some of you have probably said the exact same thing. I said, man, that's the life I wanted. You know, and you told your parents things like, I, can't, I mean, I got four kids, and most of them told me this. I can't wait till I get 18. Let me tell you what your parents have already heard. I can't wait till I get out of Camden. Huh? I've done seen some of them now that's old enough. They got out of Camden, and they got back as quick as they could. Because they realized that mama and daddy was not there when, when the cupboard was bare. They realized that the babysitter was not there. They I mean, say, so Camden wasn't quite as bad. Matter of fact, I remember being in the service and they said, the best base in the world will always be the one you just left. <laughs> How many of you ever said, well, when I was so-and-so, well, when I was so-and-so, you know, you get missing those things, but We'd say, when I get 18, I'm going to leave this boring place. I don't want to live by these rules. I want to come home when I want to come home. I want to stay out when I want to go out. I want to bring whoever over when I want to. And I can remember saying some of those things. And now it's all come home to roost. Are you with me? Say amen. So I want to tell you a story about a man that was searching for a life that he didn't have. Russell Cronwell wrote this book 130 years ago, a true story. The book was so powerful that it raised $7 million and founded Temple University in Virginia. The story or the name of the book is called Acres of Diamonds. Anybody ever heard it? There was an old farmer. He bought an old farm and he worked tirelessly many, many, many years with meager, meager earnings from his farm. He had bought this farm and he had an old ox and a plow and a field and a shack that he lived in. He and his family, and they barely made it by from day to day. Scrimping and scrounging from week to week, they had just enough to get by year by year. 
And one day a traveler come to town. He told the old farmer that he said, man, you got to understand what's taking place in India. He said in India they have found diamond mines and there's streams that flow through India where people are standing in the middle of the streams and pick up diamonds out of the stream and literally going from poverty to wealth in a matter of seconds. The story so intrigued the old farmer that he sold the old home place and everything he had. The place, the plow, the ox, the field, he sold it all. He kissed his wife and his children goodbye, and he said, when I come back home, I'll be a wealthy man, and I'll come back, and I'll get you, and we'll live good. And he gave them just enough money to live, uh, you know, in a little place, and he went off chasing diamonds for the life that he wanted to live, the life that he thought was so glamorous, and he went to South Africa, and he went to India, he went to Spain, he went all over the world. Everywhere he heard there was a diamond rush, there you would find him. And he finally reached a point of exasperation and desperation, you know, with his life. And in such despair, after spending all of his money, at the end of his rope, he's discouraged and depressed, and he dove into a river and drowned. They pulled his body out. The farmer who bought his old farm, the old place, took the same plow, the same ox. He worked the same fields that that old man had worked for years. He lived in the same old shack on the same farm. And while plowing one day, he noticed some of these black rocks. He said that it looked like the rainbow had been imprisoned in this rock. He was so amazed that he took one of them, and not knowing what he had, he just put it up on his mantelpiece. One day a priest come by to visit him and he had heard about the new farmer that had come to town and he wanted to just pay a visit and talk to him about his soul and so forth. And the priest come by and he talked with him and he stopped in mid-sentence when he looked and he saw that rock on the fireplace and his eyes fell to that rock on that mantle and he said, where, where, where did you get that rock? And he said, uh, I got it out in the field. He said, really, they're everywhere. And the priest said, hey, I was a jeweler before I was a priest, and there's one thing I know for sure. That, for certain, is a diamond. He said, you've got to chip it away, and you've got to shape it, and you have to peel back the outer layer, but inside, I guarantee you, that is a diamond. He and his priest went out to the field where he gathered, and he looked and literally found acres and acres of diamonds. They found there the world's most significant find of diamonds ever, which today is known as the De Beer Diamond Mines. This came when a man who had once done, uh, he had everything right under his feet. This man had it all. He had everything right there and went around the world for a life that he didn't know he had. He, he went chasing after diamonds and gave away all that he had, sold everything, running after something else, not knowing that where he was was rich in and of itself. And some of us today, I believe, are looking for a life out there. We're looking for life somewhere else. If we could just finish this, if we could just go here, if we could just go there. And what we fail to realize is God has planted resources and God has planted things right here under our feet if we would just look around us. Amen. And so he thought if I could just get out there. Uh, it, it, there's really, there's life out there. How many of you ever been fishing? Let me see your hand real quick. And you was fishing on the bank and you looked out in the boat there and there was somebody out in the boat just 40 yards from you or uh, maybe even 40 feet and they were catching fish. And you said, oh man, if we could just be out there. 
And then I've been in the boat and been out there, and I ain't catching nothing. And I look and I see somebody on the bank, and man, they're just reeling them in. I said, man, if I could just be over there. It always looks better somewhere else. But I want to tell you, God has challenged us to live the life that he has given us. God has challenged us to look around the place whereon we stand and say, God, this place can be better because you have planted me here and the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. So I choose to grow where I have been planted. So out there, we think someone will make us happy. Out there, it'll be better. Out there, I'll be fulfilled. Out there is really where it is. Out there is what's happening. Out there, I'll be happy. I, I, I will get what's coming to me. And we go off chasing diamonds. This brings me to another story. Very true story. Comes out of Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. Let's look at it real quick. There was a certain man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of, my, uh, of the estate. So he divided the property to them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth with wild living. He spent everything, and there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need, and he went uh, and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that even the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food enough to spare, and I'm starving to death? I'll go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired servants. And he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to even be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they begin to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and he asked him what's going on. And they said, your younger brother has come home. He replied, your father has killed the fattened calf because he, is, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he, he answered his father and said, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet never have you given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not brother of mine, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. The dad said, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Very, very true story and I want to apply this story if I may right now. The prodigal, he thought the life that he was living in his daddy's house was not what he wanted. You could tell that his dad had provided. His dad was, had a little bit of means. He had stored up some, some uh, reserves, and he had an estate, and uh, it would eventually come to his sons. And 
And they would get it, and he had servants, and he had a farm, and he had all of these things. And his young boy come to him one day and said, Daddy, I'm, t- I'm tired of this. I want life out there. There's a life that I want. And I want you to give me now because I'm old enough to receive it. I want you to give me that that you've laid up for me. And I'm out. You know, I want to do my own thing. I don't need these rules anymore. I I don't need these curfews anymore. I I don't need you telling me what to do anymore. There's a life waiting on me out there. It's a life I want. So his dad, doing what he thought was best, took the money that he had set aside for this boy, and he gave him all of his living. That's everything he had set up for him to, to give him upon his father's passing or when he become old enough to get it. And the Bible says he took off into a foreign country and he attached himself to foreign people and there he wasted his living and his, his inheritance that his father had set aside. He wasted everything he had on prostitutes and wild living. And I want to tell you something. I submit to you when you have plenty of money and you can buy the booze and the dope, when you can pay for the clubs and the dance, you have a lot of friends that will go along for the free ride. Mm-hmm. But then when your money runs out, they'll find somebody else to freeload off of. Are y'all with me? Say, listen, I come from a family of drunks. My dad was the only one in the family that wasn't a drunk, and my cousin who came last Sunday, he was the only one of their offspring that wasn't a drunk. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And uh, so I know how drunks do. My, my aunts and uncles, boy, they got drunk. I mean, every payday, they got drunk until about Sunday when the money ran out. I mean, they drank all day Friday or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They got enough on Saturday because you couldn't buy it on Sunday. And uh, they wanted to make sure they had four or five cases, you know, on Saturday so they get them through Sunday. And then they're dead broke. You know why they're dead broke? Because all of their buddies who didn't work a lick come down to drink with them. Never contributed to buy anything. I guess they were doing it smart. You know, if you're going to. But, you know, they come down and drink as much as all the rest of them, but they didn't ever buy none. And, of course, they're dead broke on Monday and trying to borrow a little bit of money from this family member or that one. And on Thursday, when the, pay, when the cotton meal paid off, they went back to the package store or the grocery store or wherever and got them several cases. And they were good to go till Sunday night. Amen? And, and so, but anyway, this young guy, he went into this foreign country. He wasted, I mean, he had him plenty of girls. He had him plenty of friends. And pretty soon, the, the money ran out and the friends left and the money ran out and the girls left. I'm not trying to indict you ladies. I'm just saying. It it went away and it was gone. And so he did not have what was making him happy. The money made him happy. And now the money's gone. And um, so he says, I'm hungry. What am I going to do? So he went out. He began to hire himself out. He told his people, his foreigners, listen, I'll feed pigs. That was a, a thankless job. He said, but I'll do anything. And he went to feed the pigs. And so he went to feed the pigs. And he, he was so hungry, he was going to eat the pig food. He said, but, but the owner was such a meticulous man, he even required, if you eat some of their food, you got to pay for it. So, I mean, if you're going to eat the, the corn or the pod that the, that the hogs eat, you got to pay for it. And so I just want you to understand what's happened to him. He's out there, and he's, he's in a pig pen. He don't have daddy no more. He don't have his brother. He don't have friends. He don't have no girls. He don't have nothing. And then he finds himself at the lowest point in his life. And that's where he came to himself. The Bible said in that hog pen, he came to himself. All of a sudden, it's like, I could have had a V8. 
I mean, it, it just all of a sudden dawned on him. I'll be doggone. This life that I wanted so bad wasn't quite as good as I thought it was. I had money, I had friends, I had this, I had that, and now it's all gone. And you know what? I'm dying. Nobody's coming to help me. I can't freeload off nobody. And I'm dying in a pig pen. And when he comes to himself, he began to realize and, and think. Sometimes when you get to rock bottom, you'll start thinking a little clearer. And he said, you know what? I think back at Daddy. And I think about the house he has, and I think about the servants that he has, and I think about me and my brother. And, and he said, how many hired servants does Daddy have? My Lord, I don't know how many. And every one of them have a provision of food. They have a place to stay. They have shoes on their feet. They've got clothes on their back. They've got a farmer that looks after them and loves them. And here I die in a foreign country in a pig pen, can't even stay in the big house. Are you with me? Say amen. And that's what happens sometimes when we're chasing the life that we want, the life that is out there, and we fail to realize how good we have it right here under our own feet. He said to himself after this moment, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to tell Daddy uh, that, you know what? I made a big mistake, and this is the hardest part. The hardest part is to admit that you were wrong. But, he, you know, the prodigal son, uh, he thought he was living until the money was gone, and, and, you know, he had a change of heart. In, on this, in this pig pen, he had a change of heart. Let me show you this. Here's what happens when you come to yourself like that. He all of a sudden found himself willing to serve. Huh? Before then, he was kind of above serving. You know why? He had a little money. Had a little pep in his step. Had a little bit of jingle. Had a few duckies, a few coins. He could escort the girls or whatever. He, he could provide the booze, whatever. But, but now all that's gone, and he's hired himself out, and he still ain't got enough money to make it. He can't do anything. And so he says, you know what? Here's what happened. When he came to himself in the hog pen, that represents salvation. When he thought about his father and said, look how my father provides. Look what I had and how good it was in contrast to where I'm at. And when he said, I, I tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to say, Daddy, I've messed up. I, I really didn't think this thing through, but you've been a good father. And, and I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore but because I've blown everything you worked hard for. You sweat tears and blood to give me all this, and I've squandered it with prostitutes and drinking and drugs and whatever, and it's gone. It ain't coming back. And So I'm not even worthy to be called by your name. <laughs> he said, but make me even like a hired servant because the people that work for you got it better than me. I was chasing life out there. I was chasing something. I don't know, but and he said, I just want to come back. If you just let me be like one of our servants, I'll be happy. Just let me sleep under your roof and have the provision. And, and uh, so he decides to go home, and as he's going home, he's looking for his dad. He's probably thinking, you know, my dad's probably going to really be ticked with me. He's probably, you know, disowned me or whatever. And I want to give you a picture of an old man that I personally believe, this is my college, you ain't got to buy it, but I believe he walked out to the end of maybe a, perhaps a long driveway and looked down a long winding road every day to see if his wayward son was coming home. He's wasted everything he worked for. 
he, he's messed up his family name. He's done all these horrible, terrible, wretched things. But we find an old man checking him out every day. The Bible, he's going and looking down that road. And on one day, and I don't know how long he'd been gone, but on one day, he looked, and in the distance, there, there was the silhouette of someone. It looked like someone walking. I don't know, maybe they were limping. But it kind of looked like the way my boy walked. And he looked, and he looked harder and harder. And I just know that's him. I think he was overwhelmed. And as that boy got closer and closer, he looks and he, it all of a sudden hit him. It's 100%. That's him. He walks like him. That's him. And this old man breaks and runs. I don't know if he had a staff. Maybe he dropped it and he took off running. And he embraced him. He fell on him and he wept like a father would do. He cried. And his son said, Daddy, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've wasted everything you worked hard for. You worked all your life to provide for me. I ain't even worthy to be called your son. I've squandered it. It's gone. It ain't coming back. And his dad says, but you're here. And the money don't matter. And what you did to our name don't matter. You're here. And some of his servants had ran after him, and he said, go back home. Go back and get the robe that I had made for him. Go back and get the sandals for his feet. Go back and get the ring for his finger, that I, the family ring. I ain't gonna disown him. I don't care if my friends disown me. That is my boy and he's come home and God has brought him back to me. He wanted life out there, but he realized life out there wasn't what it was cracked up to be, so he's come home, and that boy said, no, Daddy, you can make me just, I'll be a servant. I'll sleep out in the barn with the servants, and he said, shut your mouth. You ain't no servant of mine. I call you my son. You're my son. And he says to them, go, go and get the calf that's been fattened up. In other words, Daddy has been praying and believing that he's coming home. And he's been fattening one up saying, when he does come home, we're going to have a party. We're going to feast. So he brings him home. Can you imagine? I have to fill in the blanks because the Bible don't tell me, so I just have to imagine how it was when he met his mother. I have to imagine. And, and they begin to cook that calf, and they begin to send out a message somehow with a courier to all of the farmhands. Listen, tonight... Tonight, at, I don't know, say 7 o'clock, we're going to meet down at the big barn. And oh, my God, we're going to cook. We're going to eat. We're going to dance. And we're going to have a good time. Why? Because my son, who was lost, has been found. He was dead, and he's now alive. So the older boy, he's out working, and he ain't got there yet. He's not there yet, but... He comes in about the time they're in the middle of the jubilation and the party. And he says, what is this music and what is this dancing and what is all of this? And another servant said, your brother has come home and your daddy has killed the fattened calf. He's given him the family ring. He's given him the robe. He's put new shoes on his feet. And his brother, who represents a wayward church member, that is mad because somebody who was out there came back home. 
Y'all help me this morning, would you? And he, he said, I'm not going in. I'm not going to go celebrate with my brother. Listen, he said his brother was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. And that's just like some hardened uh, church member that feels like I've never broke a vase and I've never done anything wrong. And why should we let this one back in? Look what he, look what she has done. He said, I, I'm not going in to celebrate with him. So his daddy came out and said, son, listen, you don't understand. And the boy said, listen, your son. He didn't call him his brother. He called him your son. And he, and he pleads with him and says, listen, everything I have is yours. Don't you even know? Listen, the elder son, always by biblical rule, had a double portion of the father's inheritance coming to him. You've even got more coming to you. So why do you have this kind of attitude? Why can't you rejoice with me that your brother and my son, he was lost, he was dead, and now he's alive. Let me just say this as I try to tie it up. When you get right with God, when you come to yourself in the hog pen, when you give your heart to him, there's going to be a change in your attitude, and you won't mind serving this old guy, but when, before he left, he didn't want to do nothing on the farm. Now he says, I'm okay to serve. You see, here's some signs of change. When he come back home, when he got right with his father, which represents and is symbolic of getting right with God, the father put a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, shoes on his feet. You know what that is? Those symbols of a relationship. It's much like if you've given your heart back to Jesus Christ and you ain't been baptized in water yet, get baptized. That is a symbol that tells everybody else. It's not just a day to get wet at church. It's a day that tells everybody else, this is who I used to be, and I am no more that, but God has raised me to newness of life in Jesus Christ. Walk differently. Carry yourself differently. And then there's the event, there's that party where we, we thank God, we celebrate those. So here's my challenge today. If you're lost, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you will. But if you're lost today, away from the Father, my request is that you would come home. He's waiting with open arms, new shoes, new robe, ring. The calf has been fattened up. The father's not standing there with a stick in his hand to beat you, but the father is standing there. And when he realizes that you're walking toward him, he'll run toward you. <laughs> even though you've lived horribly, even though you've wasted your money, his money, you've betrayed the family, you've brought a reproach and a disgrace to the name. If you are indeed saved... The challenge for you is a little bit different. It's time now to be baptized. The challenge for you is to serve. Sign up for H-Track. Go there next week or, or actually next service. Happens in the 1030. <clears throat> You've been saved. Go to H-Track. Why? It's the on-ramp to a life group. It's the on-ramp to a serving team. We need to do some kingdom work together. By the way, I want to thank, I don't know, 15 or so people who came the last minute yesterday to, to finish the playground, to put it all back together. New mulch everywhere and all that. God bless you for serving. Thank you. Listen, 
here's why it's so important to, to take those steps, either to accept him or to go to the next step and serve him. See, because if, you'll come to yourself, if you don't come to yourself, if you don't have that hog pen experience, you'll always be stuck. You'll always be in the mire. You'll always be in a rut where you don't have no provision, and this guy's literally selling himself to get by. Out, out away from God, away from the Father's will, miserable conditions that you can never reconcile. Life will never be as good out there or outside of the Father's house as it would be inside his house. On the outside, you'll realize what a fraud some of your so-called friends are. You'll see how cruel the world can really be, but you also come to realize how great and how awesome your Father truly is. Let me tell you the difference between living a life of meaning versus a life of success is really based on what you choose to live for, which is either only for yourself or for the greater world. One writer said, success fades, but impact is eternal. In the end, the life that I wanted I found that I didn't want at all. That's what this guy, this prodigal says. But the life that he wanted for me is an abundant life. It is real life. It is truly living. And you only live once. Bow with me in prayer, if you will. Father, I come to you right now, Lord, and I'm asking you to touch us. <clears throat> I'm praying, Lord, that you would minister right now. Lord, if there's one person here that don't know you as the Lord and Savior of their life, I'm asking you, God, that they would make you the Lord and Savior of their life before this service is over. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to have that moment that the prodigal had in the hog pen to come to myself and realize it wasn't so bad in Daddy's house. Can I see your hand? Several hands are, are raised. Somebody else, I'm giving you just a moment. I see four or five hands have gone up. And then there's those of you who've been saved for a number of years, but you just have not yet really committed yourself to going further than that. Maybe you hadn't been baptized. Maybe you're not serving in any capacity. You're not really doing anything. You are saved and you love the Lord, but you don't feel fulfilled. Are you, are you here? Let me see your hand. I want to do more. God bless you. Another good group of hands. Listen, there's a card in every seat. It's called a hay card. I'm going to pray in just a moment. But I want, what I want you to do is write on that hay card something. There's a place I believe that, that you can indicate where I accepted Christ today. Or I, 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 I want to take another step. I want to be baptized. Or I want to... Um, to, to join a life group. I want to serve on a team somewhere. I want to do something in the kingdom of God other than just come to church on Sunday, maybe Wednesday, other than just give. Those things are important, but I'm calling you to that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone in this building right now. And I'm asking you, Lord, to touch their heart as I've shared this message about life out there. I pray, God, that 
Those who raised their hand and said, I want to be saved. The Bible said if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, we shall be saved. Let it be in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that said, I want to work, I want to do something, Lord, guide them into what to write on that card. They'll turn it in in just a moment. And Lord, we're going to act upon it, and we're going to put them to work in the kingdom of God. In contrast to this young boy who come back home and said, Dad, I'm, I'm willing to work now. I'm willing to do something. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.